0: Your parents' relationship primarily with God, relationship with your workplace, relationship with yourself, you know, the, the way you think about yourself, the way you view yourself. So, really, it's, it's all encompassing. Um, but, really, the impetus or the heart of how everything began was because we felt like um, we were so impacted personally, individually, by this marriage conference. And we felt like so many people would be blessed and encouraged. And we wanted to extend that not just to our community. Uh, but, to, but to the city as well. And as you guys know, in a few months, we're going to have a marriage conference uh, workshop that we're sponsoring. We're inviting the guests, the speakers that Andy and I had gone to the conference. And so they're coming. And so all to say, all this was planted. God had planted in our hearts. God had moved it in motion. Uh, you know, we started doing Genesis chapter 1 last year. And I, I think it's so incredible and so fascinating that as we get into Genesis 37, um, and I hadn't timed it, I hadn't planned it, I I was just praying, Lord, what book of the Bible should I study? Well, why not take a look back at where we ended last year? And in fact, it starts off with this incredible narrative and story of Joseph and his family. Uh, um, Well, Joseph and his uh, older brothers. And if you guys know the... Uh, passage, and many of you guys may have read it before. You know, he has these brothers. He's highly favored by his father Jacob. Uh, father blesses him with a with a multicolored uh, a tunic. You know, basically, just really dotes on and favors. As a result, the brothers are jealous, and, and uh, all sorts of strife gets sold into slavery, broken relationship. Um, and and at the heart of this, as you're going to see, and, and we're going to start this off, and and it really just the focus of it is relationships. And it starts with relationships at the home. As you, as you read scriptures and as you read this particular account, but really when you look at all the accounts, um, you'll, you'll recognize that so many of the families that people came from in the scriptures are messed up. Um, you know, Moses' family, because of a political situations and circumstances, was separated. Uh, the mom had to. as a a server under the daughter of the Pharaoh, had to take care. And there there had to be explaining there. At at some point when Moses grew up, uh, uh, the mom had to explain in faith, hopefully that he would understand why she let him go. Basically gave him up for adoption. I mean, putting him in a basket in a river is is a pretty uh, risky situation. So... Moses grows up with all sorts of identity issues, self-worth issues, having to prove himself a son of the Pharaoh, but not really a son of the Pharaoh, not wanted, somehow given charity. And, and so he's probably always having to prove himself and always competitive and, and to the point where the first opportunity he gets to, uh, 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 before God or as an Israelite, he ends up murdering two people and then being outcast. Uh, so there's a whole lot of internal, behavioral relational self worth self view wiring that had to be reworked I mean Moses was raised up in a certain circumstance situation and 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 you just notice through all these people whether they're young um, people that God appoints that God blesses them. God promises them something. Even like David, God promises them that you're going to be king. But about, uh, uh, I think, 20 years pass before he actually becomes king. God promises Abraham and Sarah that they're going to have a son. It's, it's, a, it's going to be a miracle. But again, around 20 years passes, if not more, before they actually have a son. And so you realize that God gives a promise. But there's all this relational, behavioral, faith, self Kind of a, a, a view that has to be worked out in the process, and Joseph is no different. Um, Joseph also comes from a pretty messed up family. Uh, his brothers sell him into slavery. His brothers actually want to kill him. There's just but one brother that that actually wants to preserve his life. But they actually wanted they they hate him enough to kill him. Um, but this is what I want you to see um, is that. This family situation that Joseph is born into, this situation where there's strife and relational breaks, that it's not out of a vacuum. It's actually multi-generational. This this, uh, strife and this story that we're going to read doesn't just come out of a vacuum, one-off. I mean, if you look at his father, Jacob, he had strife with his brother, Esau. And he stole the birthright. He lied. He cheated. Um... The family that he got married into to marry his wife uh, Rachel. He was cheated by his uncle. And, and so you see all these, I mean, you, you look at the scriptures, and um, if you're quite honest with yourself, you see all these broken relationships of hurt, and usually by the people you love the most uh, immediate families. Um, and so God still somehow works through these broken relationships by the way we need to pause a moment and say hallelujah because the air conditioning is on i was was just having a conversation like, are we going to have ac for the first it's uh 714 that's uh, 712 or something You, you found a button or something okay praise god praise god hallelujah um Joseph comes from a messed up family. It doesn't come out of a vacuum. It's actually multi-generational. But this is what I want you to see, is that even through this context, God still blesses Joseph. right? You might be sitting here today and thinking, man, my family situation immediate is messed up, or my relationship with my parents, or my grandparents, or, or my uncles and, you know, is messed up. But God can still redeem. I mean, we're going to find through this incredible narrative... That God brings healing and restoration, blesses not just the family, but a whole nation through this family. And so I absolutely believe, you know, uh, uh, firmly on the foundation of the rock that is Christ, that God wants to heal your families, that God wants to heal your marriages. That God wants to heal and restore the relationships with your parents, between themselves, with you and them. There's just so many things emotionally, relationally, uh, uh, that 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 pass on or, or are tied to uh, our sense of self. And, and maybe some of us is well, I, I'm I'm beyond that now. I've moved on. I, I'm my own man or I'm my own woman. And and I and I and you know, I hate to say it in this way, but that stuff is multi-generational. You can't run away from it. You can't tuck it away. You can't file it away. There's just something super spiritual about, and, and we'll talk about that a little bit later, but uh, when God blesses a person in the scriptures, when you read it, you'll read through the scriptures, word for word, that God blesses to the first, to the second, to the third generation. Also, when there's curses, I think it was um, Noah, right, who was upset at one of his sons uh, because he was exposed and, and uh, uh, naked and, uh, and then the younger uh, son went out and, and basically uh, uh, made fun of and exposed his father's weaknesses or blind spot or nakedness, so to say. And then uh, I, I think the father gave a, a curse, right? Curses as well, not just to that generation, but to the second and to the third. And so you might be the, the second leg or the, or the, or the third leg. And, and all I'm trying to say is there are things in your family that you may really uh, uh, be uncomfortable or despise or hate. And I'm telling you right now that those are things that in this time and season, that with your relationship with God, that God has called you almost for the generations of your family to deal with now. Maybe your father or your mother wasn't a believer. Maybe your father or mother didn't have that type of relationship with the Lord. Um, And so, so you came to faith or you came to Christ. Well, you have the opportunity now to cut those things off and to... Uh, So into blessings for the next generations. So, uh, um, yeah, so I'll talk a little bit more about that, but let's get into the scriptures because I'm almost done. And uh, Genesis chapter 37, really the opening passage uh, of our 21-day fast, the opening passage for this year. And it really uh, uh, brings us and highlights us with relationships and families. And uh, uh, we're going to be teaching about that throughout the whole year. So I think it's just incredible that God had time, that this would be, of, of all the chapters, of all the books, that the very starting point of this year and our theme and our 21-day fast really starts off with a, a, a broken, <laughs> broken relationships. Amen. Hallelujah. Um, well, let me read Genesis chapter 37. It's a bit lengthy, but just follow with me. Now, Jacob lived in the land where his father had sojourned, in the land of Canaan. These are the records of the generations of Jacob, Joseph. When seventeen years of age, Joseph was only seventeen years of age, was pasturing the flock with his brothers while he was still a youth, along with the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpha. Um, you have to remember Jacob had children with four different women, two wives and two legal uh, uh, concubines. Okay, legal at that time, not legal today. Okay, so four different wives. So I mean, just think about that context. Four different moms. Uh, uh, you know, uh, half brothers and sisters. Can you imagine the the types of strifes and, and the types of issues and the types of competition and and certainly uh, uh, the parent has a favorite. I mean, I mean, no one will say to their children they have a favorite. Uh, you know, we love all our children equally the same. i um, will get into that a little bit later. Okay. Uh, and, and so Joseph was seventeen years uh, of age. Uh, Verse 3, Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his sons, because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a very colored tunic. His brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, and so they hated him and could not speak to him on friendly terms. Verse 5, Then Joseph had a dream, and we told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said to them, Please listen to this dream which I have had. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheave rose up and also stood erect. And behold, your sheaves gathered around and bowed down to my sheaf." Then his brother said to him, Are you actually going to reign over us? Or are you really going to rule over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Now he had still another dream, and he related to his brothers, and said, Lo, I have had still another dream, and behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars were bowing down to me. He related it to his father, and to his brothers, and to his father, and his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that you have had? Shall I and your mother and your brothers actually come to bow ourselves down before you to the ground? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept kept the saying in mind. Then his brothers went to pasture their father's flock in Shechem. Israel said to Joseph, Are not your brothers pasturing the flock in Shechem? Come and I will send you to them. And he said to him, I will go. Then he said to him, go now and see how, uh, about the welfare of your brothers and the welfare of the flock and bring word back to me. So he sent him from the valley of Hebron and he came to Shechem. Uh, just, just a little snippet here. The youngest son was given a, a position of authority over the older sons to check up on their well-being. To check up whether or not they're doing work. He was almost put in a managerial position. Over his brother. So you can understand. How, how much he's despised at the age of 17. A man found him. And behold he was wandering in the field. And the man asked him. What are you looking for? He said. I am looking for my brothers. Please tell me where they are. pasturing the flock. Then the man said. They have moved from here. For I heard them say. Let us go to Dothan. So Joseph went as far as his, uh, went after his brothers. And found them at Dothan. When they saw him. From a distance, and before he came close to them, they plotted against him to put him to death. They said to one another, "Here comes this dreamer. Now then, come and let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits, and we will say a wild beast devoured him. Then let us see what will become of the, of his dreams." But Reuben heard this and rescued him out of their hands and said, "Let us not take his life." Reuben further said to them, "Shed no blood. Throw him into this pit that is in the wilderness, but do not lay hands on him, that he might rescue." that he might rescue him out of his out of their hands to restore him to his father. So it came about when Joseph reached his brothers that they stripped Joseph of his tunic, the very colored tunic that was on him, and they took him and threw him into the pit. Now the pit was empty without any water. And uh, I'll just stop there. And uh, going on, uh, uh, then a, a caravan of Ishmaelites come. Um... Instead of killing him and leaving him in the pit, they sell him into slavery. Uh, they take the tunic that was given to him uh, by his father. Uh, they sacrifice an animal, use the blood to then dip the tunic in, and then to show it to the father and essentially say that your beloved son uh, was is dead, was devoured by animals. Um, so, yeah, a, a pretty messed up family. <laughs> Um, not not the best start or context. Um, the the tunic uh, to have something of color, you know, to have something of a uh, dye, you know, purple or red. In this historical context, is, is uh, very difficult to come by. Uh, it's it's uh, uh, very extravagant. So if everyone's wearing brown or, or green or gray. To have something with uh, exotic colors and and dyes uh, was of great value. Um, Secondly, another commentator would say that it's not necessarily the the color itself, uh, though that's one aspect of it, but a a tunic that was given for authority or managerial positions also is that it covers uh, both the ankles and the wrists. And that would signify a position of authority, that would signify a position of uh, uh, you know management or leadership, uh, because if you're doing physical labor, you have to roll up your sleeves, you have to roll up your feet, and you have to be you know your your joints have to be agile and, and moving, and you're working with your hands, and you're working rigorously. So to wear a tunic was almost like a a, a position, a, a favor of anointing, of of uh, authority. And so Joseph, it says it says here that Jacob, you know, in his old age and you know with his wife and and whatnot that for whatever reason he favored and loved um, Joseph. Now as a parent I can say that I love all my children equally. I can say that for every single child and I have five and that's a lot and I don't know where this love comes from sometimes and it certainly does feel like it runs out at times or or, you know or maybe my patience not my love. but, but for me, it's important for all of my children to know that they are equally loved. That, that, that I would equally give anything and sacrifice anything uh, um, for, for their benefit or betterment. But having said that, uh, certain rewards or certain blessings, I would say... Um, uh, uh, that, that for their sake, not, not because I don't love them or not because I don't want to give them everything, but, but, but just raising up a child, you know, in, in the right manner or the right attitude or the right behavior or the right heart. Um, you know, there are reward systems. You know, a child who has a good attitude, good behavior, uh, uh, who, who's gracious towards their siblings, who's honoring towards their parents. Obviously, I'm inclined to give them more responsibility, to give them more blessing. Um, and so I think sometimes um, that that there's a misinterpretation or misunderstanding that what you're blessed with doesn't necessarily mean that God loves you more or loves you less. Because I think in the Christian context, uh, I, I think even if we start getting into that, um, it gets a little tricky. Well, this person's blessed and this person has this and we start comparing and getting into this comparison game, I, 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 my best advice to you would be to not walk down that slippery slope. You start looking and you start comparing and I'm telling you right then and there and you start asking God, to, you're, you've opened a doorway and an opportunity for the enemy and the devil to start messing with your mind and start messing with your identity. Uh, I think the key is to is to acknowledge and recognize that, that God does not show favoritism, that God loves every single person equally, but what positions and, and where we grew up and what opportunities we have, I mean we just have to trust ultimately that God has a purpose uh, uh, and, and a reason for that um, so so without getting into all that uh, and we'll, you know, I'm sure there will be a lot of nuances of that as, as we break down relationships and families and things like that um, but here Joseph is favored and, and, the, and the point that I really want to focus on is that The favor that Joseph has. The authority and the blessing that was given for him. um, Is an incredible blessing. The favor that you have. The opportunities and the privileges you have. Are an incredible blessing. And the reason why God has blessed you. Is so that we could be a blessing to others. And I think Joseph misses that. I think he totally does not make that connection. That the Father, for some reason, God ordained, has appointed, has blessed him, he's gifted, he can interpret dreams, he has a spiritual connection, God has called him out, set him aside. And 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 the thing that, that oftentimes we miss is that the blessing we're given is not so that we ourselves could be blessed. The blessings and privileges we're given are not just so that we can stand out above the rest or lord it over others. The blessings we have, whether it's one, whether it's 20, is so that we can be a blessing to others. We're blessed to be a blessing to others. Um, Joseph, uh, he's, he's young. Uh, he still has to grow. It, it almost feels like, you know, when I read the Scriptures, it almost feels like if you have an encounter with God, and God says, man, I'm going to bless you, and you're going to bless many, it's almost like, okay, well, where's what's the trial? What's, what's the big test? Okay, if, if I look at the Scriptures, and I'm, if I'm honest with myself, every big responsibility or gift or, or anointing or test, there, there seems to be some huge... trial or test or development period where I have to have nothing and completely rely on God and in that season of having nothing and completely relying on God and coming over that side of the hill or mountain or valley that that seems to be the key or the doorway and so uh, I absolutely believe that God is going to bless me, my wife, my family, every single one of you guys but that also means if you look at the biblical narrative That you may be in the middle of the toughest test of your life. That you may be in the middle of uh, uh, giving up. That you may be in the middle of of the valley low or or, or the struggle. Or maybe you're coming out of that end. And and, and my encouragement to you is that that you're in good company. Whether it's David, whether it's Moses, or whether it's Joseph. It seems to be that when God has given you an incredible calling and anointing and blessing that you should be prepared mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually that the enemy will come at you and test you for your identity, will test you for your trust in God. And those are the places I believe that God is developing our character. Um, What are you praying for? Uh, You know, as we begin our 21-day fast, uh, what do you feel like God is leading you in? What things are you contending for? Maybe, maybe a a promotion in your job. Maybe a blessing on a certain relationship, uh, dating, you know, future marriage. Maybe a a blessing over your trip. Maybe healing for a loved one. What are what are you contending for? What are you asking God for? Because if I could encourage you and challenge you, if I were to give you a blueprint. Or, or, or a checklist of points, the way to pray would be, in this context, would be, God, what is it that you want to bless me with, so that I can be a blessing to my brother and my sister? Does that make sense? Right? So so whatever it is you're contending for, whatever it is you're praying for, don't simply stop there. If I, if I could challenge you nudge you a little bit, God, God, would you bless me as I contend for my family? Would you bless me as I contend for my health? Would you bless me as I contend for my, you know, next 10 years? And, and it's so easy to cut off there. But, but if I look at the, the narrative here, and I understand that when God blesses or chooses someone, I mean, ultimately God's blessing and choosing of Joseph would, would, ha- would be a direct correlation and blessing and preservation of his own brothers. And they also miss that. All right, there's two sides of it. The brothers don't get that when God blesses one member of their family, they're actually blessing their whole tribe and then would bless their whole nation and city. But they also miss that. So, I mean, the narrative is this. God comes and says, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give you incredible authority. And and, and through you, we're going to bless everyone. Okay, through you, we're going to bless everyone. And all the other brothers here is, what, you're going to use him to bless us? Why not just bless us directly? Why, why, not, why, why don't I get that blessing directly? And so... Uh, they also miss that because in the end of the narrative, and we're going to close it out. Uh, uh, you know, weeks out or not weeks out, but probably in a, in, by the end of next week, um, their whole family gets saved and preserved through Joseph. So God, in effect, is really not just blessing Joseph, but he's blessing his whole family and their whole generations to come lineage, and then and then their whole nation. Um, and so, just just to say, you know, as we as we wrap up, and as you as you begin. You are praying and you're fasting. What blessings? What are you contending for? Don't just stop there. But God, if you bless me with this, how can I be a blessing to others? Right? And and and, and that is something that you genuinely and humbly have to come before God. Uh, I think uh, um, for Joseph, for all his fervor and all his passion and all his love for God. Um, and, and, and God had to work out uh, some of the things. And, and, and you'll find Joseph is an incredible person. Um, you know, he never once doubted God, no matter how low the pit he was thrown into. He never once doubted God. Um, and, and that's the narrative that we have. I'm sure he had struggles here and there. Um, but yeah, let me, let me stop there this morning. We're going to have to continue on in uh, chapter 37 and maybe maybe tomorrow and uh, uh, possibly on Monday as well. Uh, let's bow our heads and uh, if I can invite the worship. Be encouraged this morning as we're reminded in the scriptures today that it doesn't matter uh, how messed up your, your family is. It doesn't matter um, the broken relationships maybe that you're trying to run away from. That God still uses Joseph in the midst of these broken relationships. God wants to bless you. He wants to use you to bless others. By blessing you, others will be blessed. But God also wants to restore your families. I absolutely believe this. I absolutely believe That God wants to bring healing and restoration to the relationships in your life that matter most. I think we're so good at covering up or burying. But, I mean, these are relationships. These are connections. These are people who took care of us, who loved us. Um, and, and, And you know, they themselves come from broken homes. You know, my own family, uh, my dad grew up without a father. Uh, uh, moved from North Korea to South Korea at the age of uh, uh, six or seven, I think it was. Um, had all sorts of issues with identity and proving himself. Battles with uh, 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 alcohol and, and, and abuse and things like that. And, and all that flowed into And They didn't have a very strong Foundation in their faith, and 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 maybe you come from that context as well. Joseph certainly comes from a context where where his brothers hated him, and and I look at the situation uh, uh, in, in many of the cities that I lived in, in in Beijing and in Hong Kong and and here in Singapore and everywhere I go, I see broken families, I see broken marriages, I see broken. Uh, 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 you know, relationships between parents and, and grandparents and uncles and aunts. And and it seems like this the way that God created us in this center, this, this place in our hearts, you know, if I were to take a wild guess, you know, something other than Jesus who should be sitting at the center in the throne of our hearts of, of our lives, of our children's lives, of our parents' lives. It just seems like something else has occupied that place. Whether it's education, whether it's money, whether it's success, something else has taken center stage in, 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 our, in, our, in the hearts of the ones we love. And as a result, because of that off-centeredness, because of that uh, 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 off-kilter you know, GPS, uh, because... Our relationship with God is not right. Our true north, right? Have you ever tried to use a compass or something that's not working, or a GPS without data, <laughs> right? It's just there's no connection because our connection with God is not right. How could we possibly think that our connections with the relationships with everyone else around us, our west, east, and south, right? Our six o'clock, our three, and our nine. How how, how could those things be be on track, right? We 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 we. Read self-help books. We 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 look at social media, and, and and so where are we getting our data points? Where what? Who told you what your family should look like? Who told you what your life should look like at this stage in, at this point in your life? You know, a movie, uh, a, a politicians, you know, social media, right? Where where is your true north? Who who directs and who informs? And I and I'm telling you, it's your relationship with God. Nothing in your life. Will 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 be balanced if our relationship with God is not first and foremost. And so, if, if you here's the good news: if 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 there's division, if there's brokenness, if there's heartache in your families, in your homes, in your relationships, in your past, multi generational. Guess what? The good news of the gospel is today you are that hope. You are that vessel. You are the 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 the, the living vessel of the living Christ. It can begin with you. God can begin a redemptive new story and narrative. The, the, the past three generations and whatever your history, and we'll get into that, you can completely write a new history. One that is centered in God. You can, you can rewrite. God will redeem. And somehow, in the midst of all this tangled web of relationships, somehow, you're going to find that God will bring healing and reconciliation and redemption to you and to your family. Now imagine that. Imagine each one of you here that represents a family, both behind you and the family to come. And imagine the impact that that would have in your circle of friends and community and your your network and web of, of relationships. Imagine what is possible if God and His Spirit were to touch one church and to begin to bring uh, uh, healthy relationships. And people began to see, wow, what, what, what's so unique or special about your church? Or about, man, I don't know what it is about this church, but when I see the, the, the husbands and the wives, I don't know what it is about this church, but when I see their children and their parenting styles, and, and they're still going after the same things, and, 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 and I think it's just going to be an incredible light, an incredible beacon, a warmth, a fire, a city on a hill. That when other people of a population of 6 million people, you know, of of young professionals, and they see this mark, they see this something being set aside, they're going to be attracted to this fire. And they're going to come to experience and encounter God. But God wants to come and encounter you first. Amen. So let's just uh, respond and worship, uh, give thanks to the Lord. And then uh, I'll lead you guys in some prayer points.